Each season, Guys Telling Stories seeks out fascinating people with a good story to tell. I'm Bill Easton, and the man beside me, my co-host, Rich Douglas. We're a couple of guys who love a good story, so join us on our quest to find fascinating people with a good story to tell. This is Guys Telling Stories. All right, Bill, welcome. How you doing, Rich? Ah, doing great. Listeners, I'm Rich Douglas. I'm Bill Easton. Great to have you back. We're really excited about our guest today, John Kimmick. He is the founder, owner, and brewer at the Alchemist Brewery in Vermont. Vermont, maker of the world-famous Hetty Topper. That's right. Yeah. I've never had one. Have you had one? I have had one, and I tell you, having a beer like that uh, is is an experience in itself, and for a lot of our listeners, I'm sure, who haven't had it, just getting your hands on one is uh, like a mythical experience. I'm going to ask him to mail me some beer. <laughs> I don't think he's going to mail you beer. Just one. All right, but before we get to our interview with John, let's get to Try at Home. For years, we here at Guys Telling Stories have been talking about how amazing ride-sharing is for getting you where you need to go. And our friends at Lyft have taken things to a whole new level. Lyft is the rideshare app that is basically your friend with a car. Lyft lets you request a ride, and in minutes, you're on your way in a safe, comfortable car with a happy driver. Now, ride-sharing has existed for years, but in some places, like here in, like Buffalo, here. <laughs> like here in Buffalo, New York, it's brand new. So, if you're new to Lyft, our listeners get a ride credit towards their first ride simply by using promo code GTS when you download the Lyft app. You guys telling stories, GTS. That's promo code GTS for new Lyft users. Good for a ride credit towards your first ride. Just download the Lyft app, type in promo code GTS, and you'll be on your way with Lyft. I'm excited. I'm excited because now I'm walking around, and as I'm walking around, all these people want to come up to me, and guess what they ask me, Rich? What do they ask you, Bill? How how can I start my own podcast and be like you guys? <laughs> what do you tell them? I tell them, well, the first thing you got to do is you got to find Libsyn. Libsyn is our podcast host. You know this. Oh, yeah. Have been for years. So we use Libsyn because you don't have to be a coder or developer to publish any anything for your business. You just go on there. All the tools are there. Libsyn provides you all the tools to get your podcast out to the world. They connect the podcast directories and link all of your social media as well. So with the touch of a button, share your podcast with everybody online. And guess what? It's the same promo code. So right now, use our offer code GTS. Get your first month of podcasting hosting for free. That's right. It's free. Libsyn.com. L-I-B-Y-S-N.com. The offer code GTS. All right. John Kimmick. Bill, you said you'd never been to the brewery, never had the beer. Never. But for our listeners, uh, John and his wife, Jen, started this brewery. Uh, a few years back in the early 2000s, and they've had some ups and some downs. There was mm-hmm. uh, a flood. A hurricane. A, a hurricane, hurricane, yeah. Hurricane flood. And I'm gonna, we're going to ask them about that. And, you know, now their beer is sold within the Vermont region, and people come from all over the world to visit the brewery and get their hands on some of this, uh, this amazing beer. So we're going to have to plan a road trip. Sure. Okay. Road trip. Yeah, road trip. But uh, in the meantime, uh, let's give John a call. Hey, John, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, we are so excited for our talk with you. We we really wanted to make it down to the brewery. But I know. We, we still can. We, we will come there one day, and we'll let you know when we show up. So, you know, before we get too far into it, where can people find you and The Alchemist online? 
Uh, you know, the best place to go is just go to alchemistbeer.com and uh, it takes you, connects you to all of our social media, anything that works for you. But uh, you can find it right there. Yeah, and doing our research, we noticed you've been doing quite, quite a bit of uh, social media videos and you're pretty active on that site, huh? Well, yeah, you know, it's a, those videos, it's a way for me to explain my beers directly to the customer uh, and answer any questions that they might have and give them information, you know, rather than have it some sort of big secret. Uh, it makes it fun to be able to scan that QRC code on the can and it links you right up to our YouTube page. And so you can hear me talk about the beer as you drink it and uh it, it seems to uh, seems to be a hit. People people like doing that. Like it, yeah. No, they definitely do. And it was cool to see you, the man behind the brewery, in person, hearing your voice. You know, tell some of the stories. So, so let's get into a few. Uh, you know, we always like to take our listeners on a journey and hearing about your roots, maybe life before the brewery. I know you and your your wife run this together. Maybe how you guys met. You know, take us wherever wherever you think you should start. Sure, that's a big story. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it started when I was in college. I was at Penn State, and I brewed my first batch of homebrew with my brother-in-law, Todd, and just instantly fell in love with the whole process. Um, it was at a pretty crucial point in my education. It was during my junior year, and I was a business major. I knew I wanted to own my own business, but at the time, I didn't know what that was going to be. Um, but I also had a real need to, to create something tangible at the end of my workday. I, I saw this horrid future laid out before me of wearing a suit and tie and, and pushing papers around for my life. And I just knew that that's, that was not going to happen. So, so when I discovered brewing, it was a, it was a really great thing. And so it kind of focused me for the end of my college and then I just went for it. I, I saved up enough money to buy a cheap used car, and I packed it up, and I moved to Vermont because I wanted to work for Greg Noonan at the Vermont Pub and Brewery. And uh, and so well, I drove up here and introduced myself and told him I had everything I owned out in that car, and I'm here to work for you, and I'll take whatever job you got. And he made me a, a server at the Seven Barrel Brewery down in West Lebanon. And so, so for about a year, I would wait tables and I would go in on my days off and I would work for free in the brewery with the brewer and just worked and learned and, and did what needed to be done. And after about a year, that Greg made me his head brewer up in Burlington. Wow. And, uh, and that's where Jen and I met. Yeah, what was it she? Was, uh, what was she doing in Burlington? Well, Jen, she's born and raised in Vermont, and she went to UVM for college, and then she was traveling, and she had just gotten back from from traveling around the world by herself, and uh, when we met, so I was the head brewer, and she came back and was waiting tables, and and that's a, a whole another story there. <laughs> yeah, was it uh, was it love at first sight, as they say? It really was. Oh. <laughs> it really was. Um, and a month after our first date, we were engaged. And a year and a half later, we were married. So it was. Uh, there was no doubt about it. And we both shared a lot of uh, common loves. You know, she was 
very involved in the restaurant business and, and kind of saw herself with a future in the restaurant business. And, and I saw myself in the, with a brewing. And so, you know, we got married and again, we just started from scratch and we did whatever we needed to do to pay the bills and which was usually working two jobs at a time. And if I was brewing, that was great. But if I wasn't brewing, I was working in hotels you know, as a bellman, so I could get tips and I didn't have to wait tables. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we moved around the country for a couple of years. Uh, we were out in Wyoming and Idaho, uh, and then back to Boston, and then finally back to Vermont. Um, and in between there, you know, I worked for some other breweries. We helped, um, it's Grand Teton Brewing Company now out in Idaho. We helped expand them from their their little extract system in Wilson, Wyoming, over the pass to, to Victor, Idaho. And after that ran its course, you know, when we moved back to Boston, I ended up, I did a very short stint at uh, Salem Beer Works because I was just losing my mind working in hotels and, yeah. and not brewing. And then, you know, we just kind of both looked at each other one day and said, what the the hell are we doing in the city? This is not for us. You know, we had, we had actually started looking for locations for our, our brew pub in Boston. And, uh, and then we just decided, you know, our gut told us that's not where we were supposed to be. So we came back home to Vermont and, and it seems like we just went right back to square one again, you know? So working multiple jobs, trying to save money, constantly working on a business plan and you know if I ever came across brew equipment that we could afford I'd buy it and we'd store it and until finally one day uh driving through Waterbury we noticed this storefront and it just looked like the perfect place so we tracked down the landlord and convinced him to let us put a brew pub in there and 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 that's what we did you know so end of November of 2003 we had our first our first night at the the Alchemist pub and brewery in in downtown Waterbury and nice. and it was it was crazy you know we were we were out of money we had less than 50 bucks in our account and if we weren't busy that was it we were doomed it was all going to be over but thankfully we were busy and 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 then it just was a wild ride from there that's great. So going back yeah. to the uh, that beer you brewed originally, what kind of beer was it? It was a porter. Nice. Yeah, yeah. We, we like porters and stouts. So <laughs> we not- and I do too. One of the very first craft beers that I got um, was a Catamount Porter that my brother-in-law got in the Beer of the Month Club in the uh, in the geez very early nineties, um, probably nineteen ninety, maybe right around there. And and I loved it, you know. It was just a delicious beer, and and Vermont just kind of had this this uh, lure to me, and that's what kind of focused me up here into New England. And and then of course reading Greg's books was the other reason, you know. I wanted to learn from the best, and that was him. So it sounds to me like you developed this skill over years and traveling and all of these different odd jobs. But one of the questions I have for you, because it's the hardest thing for someone in your position to do, is where did you get that equipment 
along the way? Like you said, you picked it up, but I mean, was there some bankrupt brewery that you bought you bought them out, or was it kind of piecemeal? Um, well, uh, let's see. My kettle and my mash tun. Um, I was working at a hotel, and I would start my shift at six in the morning, so I was there bright and early, and I sat down, and I would go on a website called Pro Brewer, which was like a, an equipment, um, a used equipment sales site, and I found a listing that a guy in Texas was giving away his brew house. He said, free, you just have to come take it, and <laughs> I was I was the first one that responded because I was at work so early in the morning. So I had the right of first refusal and we had, you know, we scraped up enough money to buy me a ticket to to San Antonio and I borrowed uh, this construction guy that was working at my hotel. I borrowed his sawzall and flew down to Texas and and dismantled the kettle and the mash tun and palletized them and had them picked up by a by a trucking company and shipped back up to Boston. Um, and my boss at the time, the guy who owns that hotel, he of course owns lots of property in Boston and he owns warehouses across the river over um, toward uh, Bunker Hill, kind of in that area. And he was kind enough to say, yes, I mean, I have huge warehouses. If you want to store it, just put it there. You can keep it there as long as you want. So we did. So for the cost of an airplane ticket and a, and a horrible cheap hotel and the trucking back up, we had a kettle and a mash tun. That's great. It was so nice of him to, to store it for you because that's part of the, oh, that's the biggest sure. problem. What are you going to do with yeah, it? Yeah, where are you going to put this stuff? Yeah. <laughs> for sure. And, you know, stuff like that um, – Stuff like that happened to Jen and I a lot. You know, we we stayed focused on what we wanted. We do right by people at every job we work, and opportunities kind of presented themselves when they needed to present themselves. You know, and and part of what I attribute to our success is um, being able to recognize opportunity and seizing it when it arises. You know, to to recognize it as an opportunity and then have the guts to to do it. You know, those are those are big, big, uh, big parts of the of the equation, and and that that worked for us for a long time, and it still does. We we uh we talked to this is our third season. We've talked to a different brewery uh, each season, and it just seems that one of the things that comes across is how how willing other brewers are to help the new brewers get started, not just with uh, some advice here and there, but actually with the mentoring and with the equipment and with, you know, actual, like, yeah, I'll come up there and help you out, and I'll give you this, and you can borrow this. And it's it's pretty amazing how... Well, sure. How and, works. you know, I mean, people have tanks that they want to sell, you know, and, of course, those are the people you're going to sell them to. And and timing timing is so much of it. and And where we were in the in the the evolution of the industry mm-hmm. you know at the time you could find stuff like that you know now forget it you it's almost impossible to find stuff like that because there's so many people searching for it well so i heard you say earlier 2003 you guys got 50 bucks in your pocket 
And if the brew pub is not a success, you know, basically you're going to go hungry. So like you mentioned timing, those first five years, maybe say to 2007, 2008, you know, your eyes, your ears, what did you see and what did you hear at the brew pub that let you know you were, you were onto something, you were starting to be successful? Well, we were, you know, we are full every day. From <laughs> the moment awesome. we opened our doors until the time we closed, we were, we were very busy. Um, and right around that time, of course, is when, you know, user-based, uh, review sites like, like, uh, beer advocate and, and, and websites such as that, that's when they really came into existence. And then that just propelled, uh, notoriety forward for us because people would come and, and they would leave that pub blown away and they would want to talk about it. And so word of mouth, you know, we've never advertised, we've never really marketed ourselves. Everything that has come to us has come from from customer satisfaction and word of mouth. So what was it? Was it the food, the beer, the, the throw peanuts around? <laughs> How did it, well, what, what was the main draw? I mean, it's, it's everything, you know, we... We, Jen and I, have such a, a laser focus on quality and customer service and everything. You know, we, we recognize what makes a restaurant successful, and, and we believe we know what qualifies as great beer. So we did what we do. You know, I, I brewed my beer, and, and Jen ran the restaurant, and, and it was all of those things. It was atmosphere and food and, and beer and and all of those things together that made it a unique place. And we had a concept of what we wanted our place to be like and, and we made it real. You know, it was a it was a really cool place to hang out. And people were always looking for a great place to hang out. And if you get great food and great beer on top of it, you know, you, you just kinda success will come. So things are going well for you. You you guys are rolling in a really good environment and probably a natural progression was let's take some of this beer and we'll start to can it. We'll start to maybe sell it outside the brew pub. And I know you had a canning line on the way and then 2011 hits, right? And Well, I mean, we weren't we weren't planning on we didn't even sell growlers at the pub. You know, I just there was no way to fill them properly and and I didn't trust people to take care of the beer properly, and so we just didn't do it. So you could only get it on draft and and take it out of that place in your belly. So <laughs> we did that for nine. We did that for, geez, almost nine years before we started planning uh, a packaging brewery. So, so we recognized what Heady Topper was was becoming, and we saw the the potential in it. And we knew there just was nothing like it available commercially. You know, even even the format, the the four pack of sixteen ounce cans. Uh, aside from Sierra Nevada Torpedo and you know uh, uh, Surly up in up in Minnesota, those were the two. Those were the only two that you saw even packaged in 16 ounce cans and so we knew what we wanted to do and we knew that you couldn't find an amazing IPA in a can anywhere around us or else we would have been buying them 
You know, we were always on the lookout for, for other great beer. And so it kind of hit that crescendo where it's like, all right, it's time to do this, you know. So we began construction of that new brewery. And the plan was that I would continue to make all the beer at the pub and I would also make all the beer in Waterbury for the canning. Um, and then, of course, Irene hit on a Sunday night and on Tuesday morning we had our first canning run. So the, so the timing of it, you know, all that hard work and we're just about to, to do our first packaging run and just like that, our pub gets absolutely decimated. So it, to say it was stressful is, is a huge understatement. Um, but, the but the timing, uh, of having that production brewery up and running was the only thing that saved us. That's the only reason we're really still here, you know, because just like that, there were 24 people out of work and, and our sole source of income ended overnight. And so that, that packaging brewery, Saved us. So, for those listeners that don't know, the brewery was in the basement of the brew pub, and the entire uh, town <laughs> was, was destroyed. Everything was gone, and the insurance company screwed us and didn't pay us for anything in the basement, even though we had been paying through the nose for flood insurance for years. They they failed to point out that little detail that anything in the basement isn't covered. Wow. Jeez. So, so we totally got screwed. And, and, you know, we couldn't get insurance to put a brewery back in that basement. So that's when we, we decided to change gears. And we rebuilt the pub and, and leased it out. And the Alchemist Pub and Brewery was gone forever. So we put all of our focus into the production brewery. And in the first two years... You know, we increased production 600%. So when we opened that packaging brewery, we had the capacity to do 1,500 barrels a year. We took an emergency loan from the flood and used it to buy more tanks so that we could double our production to 3,000. And then a few months later, we poured all of our money again into bumping it up to 6,000 and then began another major construction project to get it up to 9,000. And that's the max capacity for that that facility. So, you know, it's crazy. We we were busy from the start, but of course it just grew and grew and grew. And eventually it was just so busy at that location that we had to shut our retail down because it was, the property just couldn't handle that kind of traffic. So just like that, overnight, that was it. We were done selling retail and and. We self-distribute, so we proceeded to distribute everything that we make out to almost 200 retail accounts within a 20-mile radius of the brewery. And that's and, that's one thing I do want to point out to any listeners yeah. who have not tried your beer yet, or maybe they're listening uh, on the West Coast. This <laughs> some of your beer is is like is like a unicorn for people. They they've heard about <laughs> it. They think they may have seen it once, but they they. They're not sure, you know, if, if they're ever going to see it in real life. And that's not because you're not working your butt off. It's, it's because you have a philosophy behind the Alchemist Brewery where you're not trying to ship beer to Hawaii or the West Coast. There, there's a philosophy behind that. So 
Can you talk about Hetty Topper and how and how you distribute that beer on a basically a weekly basis? Well, sure. I mean, we deliver five days a week, um, and for Jen and I, it's you know, of course, the beer is everything, and the quality of the beer is what drives everything. But making more and more and more beer is not what drives us. Um, we are very socially conscious people. Uh, it has always been important to us, even though it would be easier to take all that beer to two or three huge distributors and sell it all retail right there. We went the other route, which is how can we share the benefit of Hetty Topper with as many Vermont businesses as possible. So, you know, we work really hard to to maintain these couple hundred accounts, and some of them only get two, three cases a week. But, you know, it didn't take long for our, our hopes to be realized, which is when we started hearing from all these accounts that they're making, you know, a big chunk of money on their bottom line now for no reason other than the fact that they're carrying Hetty Topper. So, you know, the, the sales of the beer itself, plus the increase in their sales from the increased traffic of people mm-hmm. coming through, you know, that is immensely important to Jen and I. You know, of course, people accuse us of crazy things like limiting production to to uh, increase demand and stuff like that. And, and that just that just makes me laugh because it's so ignorant of reality, mm-hmm. you know. We make 9,000 barrels a year of Hetty Topper. That is, that's insane. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the most beer ever made in a year at the pub was about 400 barrels a year. Yeah. Of which maybe 28 barrels was Hetty Topper. So to go from 28 barrels a year to 9,000 barrels a year, um, you know, the idea of us purposefully limiting production is, is kind of preposterous. Uh, but, you know, with that said, a lot of businesses uh, would see that differently. Um, you know, it's just Jen and I. We don't have investors, and we have put everything that we've accumulated on the line half a dozen times to get where we're at right now. And so we don't feel pressure from investors to to take a good thing and, and blow it up and expand and, and make a quarter million barrels a year and hit 48 states and, and be this this monolith. I mean, that's just not our, our bag. That makes sense. <laughs> you know, that's... That's not the kind of business we've ever wanted to create, and and we would never let it morph into that. Great explanation there, because for some of the listeners probably already know this. I'm sure you get offers all the time for expansion or investment. There are, within the past couple of years, breweries, you know, one in particular, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars, even the billion number being thrown around for purchases by, you know, outside investors. And here you guys are, it's yep. just the two of you. Um, yeah. In probably a couple of days, you could, you know, sell it all and, and, and be multimillionaires. But that's, like you said, I like your answer. That's not my bag. And, well, sure. And then what are you, you going to do? You're going to sit on a mountain of money until you're dead? You know, I mean, it's just so, so I don't know. Yeah. I, it, it's just a very selfish way of doing things. And that's just not the way we do things. And so, 
you know, the, the big thing for us, um, and especially now that we've started this new brewery, and so now we have the new brewery, we have retail back again, so we have interaction, direct interaction with our customers again, which we had been missing for a couple of years there. And again, you know, a lot of breweries having success like we've had would have built a 100,000 barrel a year brewery and gone nuts and gone for it. And, you know, this new place produces the same amount that our Waterbury Brewery produces. So we make 9,000 here, which again, well, we make almost 20,000 barrels of beer a year. That is madness to me. Mm-hmm. that we make so much beer. And so it's enough. You know, we we maintain our, our presence here in Vermont, and what we want is people should have to come here and get it. You know, the the great things in life, you have to travel to get them, and there's something special about when you do get it, and you shouldn't be able to get it every day you know um you know you go to your favorite pizza restaurant you shouldn't if if that's in new york city you shouldn't be able to get your favorite pizza in california not that pizza you know but when you go to new york you go out of your way to go and you sit down and it's an experience you know it is you live in the moment and and it is what it is and that's important to us so you what know, you're saying is you're not going to mail us any. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No, we got um, to plan our trip. Though. All right, all right. I think we're yeah, about seven and, hours away. But that's what, that's what makes, I mean, in our eyes, that's what makes really great places great. No, we you know, agree. the places that are landmarks and are, and are there forever, that's what it's like. You know, it, it loses something once it is uh, watered down and... And so, you know, with that said, um, the big thing, of course, the quality of the beer motivates us, but, but what we see in our future is being able to use what we've created to enact socioeconomic change here in our area. You know, we are very fortunate to, to live in such a beautiful state and to have a very successful business, which is not an easy thing to do up here. Um, and again, it's our responsibility as successful business owners to to have as big an impact in our area as we possibly can. So just recently, we finally got all the paperwork done and we've established uh, the Alchemist Foundation, which is our charitable foundation. And uh, you know, what we see is a big chunk of our our profits getting funneled into that foundation. Uh, we focus on education, which to both of us, having been fortunate enough to be able to go to college and get a degree, um, that's not the reality for, you know, probably 50% of the kids in Vermont. You know, we have a, a statewide average of 50% of kids do not go to school beyond high school. And how do you keep them here in Vermont? And how do you give them hope for a better future? You know, and how do you provide, help them find training 
to have quality jobs and not get stuck cleaning rooms or carrying bags, which is what Jen and I did with college degrees, right. you know? So, so that kind of thing is, is where we really are going to be pouring our focus from here on out. Well, John, that charitable foundation sounds like extremely exciting and you're hitting on everything we normally ask. You yeah, know? we're just going to be quiet and <laughs> let you finish. <laughs> but. Well, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a super exciting time for us and, and environmentally. We're, our, our goal is to have this brewery a zero waste brewery in a couple of years. And, and we're well on our way to doing it. You know, we, we built at our expense, uh, a wastewater treatment plant here in the brewery in Stowe. So nobody made us do this. This is something that was important to us. And and boy, did we get, <laughs> we got put through the ringer with getting it permitted and installed and convincing everybody that this is going to be viable. And now um, we discharge in our wastewater uh preposterously clean waste stream um, and we side stream um, our high strength waste it goes to a compost company that transports it to the Vermont Technical College and they put it through their digester and produce green energy and power their college campus with our waste stream that's cool our, you know, our, our next big project that we're in the de- design phase right now is we're going to build an aquaponic greenhouse attached to our brewery that is going to raise fish, grow organic greens, and absorb all the CO2 that our fermenters produce. And these are amazing things, you know. So it, it's such a... I mean, of course, beer is exciting, but my God, we have some really, really cool and exciting things in the works that, uh, that again, it's about setting that bar higher and higher with everything that we do. Well, well John, we're, we're so excited where, where you've taken this conversation because, like you said, like beer is great, but there's a lot more going on there in addition to brewing the beer. So, you know, as we sort of wind this thing down, we always like to ask for you to give someone some advice just starting out and feel free to take that where you want. It could be a new brewer. It could be that kid who just graduated high school. Um, You know, what advice would you give to somebody who's just starting out on their own path? Uh, So much of it comes down to work ethic and no job should ever be beneath a person. Um, Everybody needs to work those bottom rung jobs and you need to have an appreciation for what people go through that are stuck in jobs like that. Right. Um, and it should be a motivating factor for you, you know, to be able to, to help people like that uh, someday. And again, when we hire employees, we've hired people that have zero brewing um, experience but we knew what kind of worker they were and we knew that they had the potential to do whatever we wanted to train them to do. And it's proven true time and time again. Um, You know, a couple of my brewers never brewed in their lives until we wanted them to be brewers for us. And they're fantastic brewers. And they have a career now and they have a future. 
So, you know, these things are, these things are all part of the big picture. And for people starting a business, the, the impact you have on people's lives is the big, should be the big motivating factor, you know? And when you treat people right, you, the, the, the work that you draw out of them and the loyalty that you garner is, uh, priceless. Um, so really <laughs> work, just be a hard worker and, and get along <laughs> Yeah, right on. And, and, and don't feel that, uh, that you're above anybody else. You know, you see that I, I hate to say it and I don't want to sound like some old dude, but <laughs> you know, I see young people that that don't want to pay those dues. They, they want, they see the glory side of, of, you know, for being in brewing, they see that glorious side of it and they want that. Like, well, you know, for over 10 years, <laughs> yeah, I worked whatever job I could get and I was the low man on the totem pole, but it doesn't matter. You know, you make your mark by yes. your quality of work and what, what impression you leave on your, on your employer. And that's a good story. That's a good story, and and you're doing good things not just for the environment and and with your foundation, but also as a role model. It it it's a good lesson and telling the story about how you guys got started and and actually doing the baggage and at the hotel and opening the doors and all of that is uh, as a role model just as important as everything else that you're doing now and in the future. Yeah, and John, without, sure. without you even knowing it, you're you're hitting on the same sort of advice that a lot of our guests have been given this season. We spoke with the race director of the Boston Marathon, Dave McGilvery, and this man said that running that Boston Marathon is like the Kentucky Derby, uh, you know, like M- Mount Olympus. <laughs> it's like it's 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 that holy grail of races, but you do need to earn it. So you can't just say I'm going to run it this year. And you can't just say, I'm going to jump in and give it a shot. There's a yep. lot of work to to get to that point. And there's no shame in running the 5K or training for a half marathon first. And then one day you can get there and, yep. you know, cross that finish line with your arms held high. But but there is a there is that time that you have to earn it. So, so I'm kind yeah. of I'm, I'm hearing that in your voice. Yeah. And you got to stay humble. You know, you can never... You never start believing uh, all the compliments. <laughs> keeps, it, keeps you hungry and focused. Well, I think having uh, Jen there alongside you, uh, you know, and you guys are in this together, that probably helps keep you both grounded because it's a it's a family affair. Oh, tremendously! I mean, the alchemist would have would have disappeared many, many, many years ago if Jen wasn't uh, the business genius that she is. You know, and she is such a driving force behind our our social footprint. Um, you know, she is so passionate about stuff like that, and especially being born and raised here in the state, she has such a desire to see people succeed through adversity. You know, I mean, there's a lot of kids out there that have that have pretty crappy role models at home, and you know, how do you how do you inspire those kids and Man, she is. She's great at it. 
John, this has been fantastic. And I've, you know, I hope one day we get a chance to uh, speak with Jen as well. And I think listeners are going to get a lot out of hearing about the brewery and your roots and how everything came to be, but also all the exciting stuff you have coming in the future too. And I know Bill, I'll say it uh, right sure, now. We, we got to take a road trip there. Okay. <laughs> it was in my calendar for the last it's a pretty week. cool <laughs> place. Where, where are you guys based? So we are about seven hours away. We're in Buffalo, New York. And, you know, we could just hit the 90 and be there in a day, but we'd have to turn it into a, a weekend, I'm sure, if we're going to taste some of your amazing, amazing beers. Be there by 730. <laughs> yeah, Buffalo's a haul, man. You're nine hours away. Uh, yeah. Eight yeah. hours, nine hours. Yeah, but, you John know. John hasn't seen me drive. <laughs> I drive right past on my way to uh, Pittsburgh when we drive home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you, yeah. But you know what? It's like you said. We're, we'll stay in a bed and breakfast or something local, and I'm sure we'll be, get a chance to take it all in. I wouldn't want to rush a visit like that. Um, I want to stay in the Newhart house. Is that still? That was Vermont, right? Newhart? Oh, uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to look that well, one up. There's a lot of great, great places that you can visit while you're here, so awesome. you'll have to make a trip of it. Definitely. Well, John, if you don't mind, would you plug your social media and where people can find out more information about you and Jen and the brewery? It all, it, it all branches out of our website, alchemistbeer.com. Awesome. So head there. And again, thank you so much for an amazing interview today. I got nothing of else. Of course. Awesome. My pleasure. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> go, go Steelers. Yeah, there you go. All right, John. Thanks for sharing your stories. Sure thing, guys. John Kimmick. Wow. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Wow, man. They have so much exciting stuff going on. I want to, I, I guess I want to see this screen. Carbon dioxide eating machine. Stuff like that fascinates fascinates me, <laughs> and I don't understand the science behind it. Yeah, so I kind of want to, you know, get to the brewery and, of course, try the beer. But take road a look trip. at their I know road trip. <laughs> take a look at their new facility. That's uh, that's something else. Well, quick reminder: thanks again to Lyft, the rideshare app that'll pick you up and give you a ride when you need one. Remember, if you're new to Lyft, use promo code GTS for ride credit towards your first ride. That's promo code GTS. Or ride credit towards your first ride with Lyft. Also want to thank Libsyn. They provide everything you need for your podcast. And again, you get your first month for free. Go to Libsyn.com. Use the offer code GTS. They'll give you your first month of podcast hosting for free. Wow. I'm so excited that we got a chance to talk with John. And we really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I did. Yeah. You know, if you have any uh, people in your life who are fans of beer, do us a favor Tag them in this post. Let them have a listen to to John's interview. And uh, we really appreciate all the love you guys have been giving us this season. It's been really great. I like the beer. We've done a brewery. I mentioned it uh, to John. We've done a brewery every season. And we always get good feedback. So hopefully we we get good feedback on this one as well. Yeah, awesome. All right. Until next time. 